0: water in his veins I could not think of a better place to industry but death Valley
1: Welcome back to the Clemson podcast. I'm your host Nick. Joined tonight by three guests from Shake in the Southland. Uh, really excited to have these guys back. You, they were here for our season preview. Sort of did a two-part um, walk through the schedule together. So, um, well, welcome guys. Um, I'm joined tonight by John. John does the tweets and the odd post over at Shake in the Southland.
2: Oh, hey, that's Alex, me.
1: What's up, John? Um, Alex is here with us too as well. Alex does the defensive preview slash hate articles and also some of the film recaps what's up alex
0: howdy y'all
1: and we are also joined by matt uh, matt does our also known as DBBM. matt does our second quarter recap and offensive preview uh all of that stuff over at shaking the southland uh, matt how are you doing uh pretty good Hey. Eh? So uh, tonight, guys, we're going to go through a bit of the first half recap of the season, talk a little bit, looking forward into what what remains on our schedule the rest of the way, um, and go around college football. We just had basically what looks like the first blood week um, of the year. So a lot of of fun stuff there. But uh, maybe let's just dive right into Clemson. Um, We come into the NC State game off the bye, rated number two in S&P Plus. Um, I don't Really know from an expectation standpoint where we thought we'd be at this point, but uh, I can say it's it's been a, a bit more of an emotional roller coaster start than I think what what we would expect for a team coming in at six and zero. Where are you guys feeling right now about about this team and how the season's progressed? Maybe I'll start with John.
2: Uh, well, I am perennially nervous because I feel like every single year the general talk around. Um, our team is that we are the 2014 Florida State team reincarnate, um, you know, good enough to go undefeated, has kind of a weak schedule, just gets over the hump every single game. And I haven't re- really been proven wrong about feeling like that yet. I mean, yeah, it was really nice to absolutely steamroll Lake Forest, but, um, you know, it is kind of worrying see us almost lose to Texas A&M and almost lose to Syracuse. But then again, Clemson always does that. They almost did that. Or they did do it last year, and they almost did it the year before, and they won the national title in one of those. So what can I really say,
1: honestly? It's just our reality at this point. For me, it's like, you know, obviously we've had we had a game already where we, had, we needed a third stringer to win our game in the closing seconds. Um, we became the focus of, you know, the national media for kb transferring uh but really to come in unscathed like gotta feel good that we we didn't have that hiccup game already and we'll we'll touch on here kind of the in the second half if we see anybody on our schedule that 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 might become this year's syracuse or Pitt game but um i would have thought with some of the adversity we would have seen so far like you might have expected us to get a loss maybe that was a syracuse game and we didn't uh but anyway i i, I kind of agree with you that uh it's we would, we would probably rather have it with some nice, clean, like two two-digit score victories, uh, but it's just not not how we do things. It was uh, really
2: nice to see us like actually kill our food instead of just playing with it for three quarters uh, last week, but or two weeks ago. Um, but this will probably be the biggest test we've had so far this year, and if we lose, it'll be embarrassing. But NC State will be happy, so.
1: Yeah, it's really been three years since we've had a ranked loss in the regular season, like against a ranked team. And um, at home, its I mean, I guess we did lose to 2014. We lost at home to Georgia Tech. Is that right? Pretty sure they were ranked that No, year. we did
2: not lose at home in 2014. I remember that one. Last, all of, our, all of our losses were ranked on the road. Right,
1: right. So it must have been Florida State then. 2013.
0: Yeah, Florida State 2013 was the last time we lost to a ranked team. At oh, what a fun game. Yeah, that was bad.
1: Um, so sticking with this team, maybe we can start with the defense. I'm curious, Alex, I'm going to throw this in your direction. Um, coming into the year, we we knew what we had coming back um, on the defensive line, but our secondary was maybe a, a point of question, um, not knowing from a depth standpoint or some of the, the new guys stepping into starting roles, um, especially at safety how that was going to play out, Where, how would you evaluate that position and how the secondary has done overall season to date?
0: Actually, better than expected. I think the knee jerk after A&M was, oh, my God, it's worse than we thought. This is beyond an Achilles heel. This is an actual weakness. Uh, but when I was reviewing that game the next day, uh, it actually was not as bad as it appeared. A lot of the issues in that game were certainly due to linebacker drops and coverages. Um, there were safety issues, of course, as well. There were a few busts. Um, but also, you have to give Kellen Mond a lot of credit for, one, uh, keeping plays alive. Uh, and two, uh, actually, I hate saying this, but he had a lot of extremely lucky plays, uh, not just on uh, tipped passes, but just putting a lot of balls in jeopardy. A lot of passes where they were 50-50 where AM came down. Um, and also, you know, three or four passes that honestly should have been picked. And uh, some of those or dropped interceptions were actually tipped into touchdowns uh, most importantly that last one that AM used to get within within two points um, so the AM game while alarming and certainly look it looks horrible statistically wasn't all just horrible safety play um, so it I, I sort of re- revised my, my grade after that game certainly I was I was ready to mash the panic button when I was walking out of that stadium uh, but upon review, it was not as bad as it appeared. And then, you know, looking at the other games, uh, no, no horrible busts against option teams because, you know, they, they get so bored. They just fill and run support, fill the alley, and then all of a sudden, boom, they get hit over the top. But that didn't really happen against Furman, Georgia Southern, or even Georgia Tech, except on a, a couple trick plays by Georgia, Georgia Southern, uh, if I recall. Um, and then, you know, Syracuse, there was no Nolan Turner got beaten man coverage once, but really nothing horrible in that game. And then Wake Forest, obviously, was by far the best game, um, and Tanner Muse in particular has has done much better than expected. I think Kayvon Wallace was the only known commodity at safety. Uh, you know, we knew the corners would be fine at the top level. Trayvon Mullen is elite, uh, and AJ Terrell has been you know much better than than we hoped. We we knew he'd be good as a five star, but he's really ramped it up here in his second year. Um, but but Tanner Muse has been has been the most pleasant surprise. Uh, He's been much better than I expected. He would be both in run support where we knew he was, he was better. uh, But especially in pass coverage, he's been, he's been sound has not busted and even managed a a pretty, pretty good interception against wake last week or two weeks ago.
1: Yeah. For you to, for you to feel good about this team going up against, I mean, we haven't necessarily faced really potent pass heavy offenses yet. Um, Jimbo Fisher teams incidentally seem to always drum up a passing game against us. So Really, no ultimate surprise about how that am game played out. Um, but do you feel like there's anything sort of schematically in the Brent Venables defense that this team would need to work on for you to feel confident in a game against, let's say, a Tua or a Dwayne Haskins?
0: Well, we haven't stuck with pure cover, uh, per, pure quarters coverage as much as uh, you would think, given that's the professed defense, uh, and that the risk in that is always busting coverages because because safeties in quarters coverage, cover four coverage. Are supposed to be aggressive against the run, um, and they're prone to play action, especially double moves from from seam routes in particular, uh, in the the slot. But we've run a lot more single high, or just flat cover two, and haven't had to be that risky with it. Uh, Against Tua, I hmm, Tua or Haskins, I that that is tough. I don't, I I don't think. Vasquez has not yeah.
1: shown that he can hit the deep ball just yet, especially yeah. when there's pressure involved against Penn State. I didn't look at his th- throw chart against Minnesota. He put up, I think, 400 yards. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, maybe not too concerned about him, but Tua is certainly intimidating.
0: Yeah, yeah, he he's looked phenomenal. Uh, I think step one in both of those games is obviously taking away the run so that you can be a little more conservative with the safeties. And I think Clemson's front seven is – ideally suited to stop the run. I mean, how many times has Clemson been beaten on the ground in not just, you know, close wins, but even in its losses? It's it's never been the ground game that's costing Clemson. It's its quarterbacks playing out of their minds. Uh and they I, I think Clemson would hopefully be able to play more conservatively on the back end since the front seven is one so strong against the run. Uh not just the defensive line, but but especially the linebackers. They're much better in run support than they are coverage. And I think Clemson would play more conservatively against Tua or Haskins uh, in order to hopefully mitigate the threat downfield. Because when Clemson loses, it's from a quarterback playing out of his mind, whether it's Eric Dungy in 2017, um, almost Ryan Finley a year ago. Uh, Buffalo
2: Bills legend, Nathan Peterman.
0: Yes, Nathan Peterman against, uh, against Pittsburgh. He went, what, five touchdowns? Five <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah, five touchdowns.
3: A lot of those were just, like, the shovel pass. Like, that was a glorified... Look, the numbers count. Like, the numbers count. It's like, it. I mean, to bring up the 2012 Orange Bowl, like, we gave up a bunch of passing numbers, but it was the jet sweep. It was. You know, it still counts, but a lot of that was
2: just a glorified run. This is why I still claim that Deshaun with a torn ACL was an amazing passer, even though two of those were, like, 80-yard, like, pop passes to
1: yeah, I think you're right, and when we look ahead at potential opponents, certainly down the stretch from Clemson, um, it is it is the Ryan Finleys that give you pause. Uh, NC State, we'll, we'll touch on that game coming up here, but they're not going to beat you in the trenches, certainly, or with their run game. Um, but outside of that, really don't see too much on the regular season schedule to challenge this, even this secondary, and you hope that there's enough in the front seven to create pressure and kind of contain um, mitigate I I'm hoping their their slant pass game uh to keep this keep this in hand offensively um anything else I guess from the defensive side that maybe has stuck out to you guys as a pleasant surprise so far it sounds like the secondary maybe exceeded what our expectations were um any other development I mean curious to get your guys take on Isaiah Simmons so far too
0: Simmons has been phenomenal as a linebacker at the same position he's done very well filling the alley um He had a few hiccups earlier in the season, but he's gotten much better in recent games. He did particularly well against Greg Dortch, uh, Wake Forest uh, superstar slot receiver. You don't find many headliners in the slot. Um, All due respect to Hunter Renfro, of course, but uh, it's not often you find an opposing team's best player lining up in the slot position. And Isaiah Simmons all but shut him down. I think Greg Dortch's best plays were regrettably when uh, Jalen Williams was in, uh, the backup Sam linebacker. Um, So I've I've really, as much as Simmons seemed to struggle in flat coverage in particular early in the season uh, when he was manned up or even playing flat coverage against, against, against Greg Dortch at Wake Forest, he he did very well. Uh, We know what he brings physically. Uh, He can do everything he's asked physically It's a matter of him playing his assignments properly and over the past two games, he has extremely well. Uh, so I'm really, I've got zero complaints. You know, I I was ready to, to freak out after A&M and even a little bit against Syracuse, but I've, I've got very few complaints with the secondary. It's not so much they've exceeded expectations as much as not been the weakness we feared they could be. Um, I still think there's improvement to be made. Uh, of course, um, cornerback has been has been solid I'd like to see Mark Fields make a few more interceptions instead of dropping them Um, but no complaints at safety really other than other than um, you know Kavon dropping a few picks to keep A&M in it but it's been it's been a, a better than expected secondary certainly I will concede that I mean I've just been happy with the defensive line we talked about it for so long and it's you know
2: just as good as we were hoping it was going to be it's always ridiculous to see you know, game-winning sacks against Syracuse from the guy who is listed as, like, the fourth-string defensive end. And so you can say, hey, look, our fourth-string defensive end is winning us football games. It's it's just a level of depth. Like, you know, I was kind of halfway through the Syracuse game. We were, you know, saying we too deep. And I'm just like, are we? And it uh, we are. We're too deep at some positions. I mean, defensive line is one of them. And to think that beyond Xavier Thomas and beyond uh, Albert Huggins and beyond all these people that are subs that we just hear their names, there's also Xavier Kelly and there's uh, KJ Henry and there's uh, Justin Foster. And it's just like, there's just more and more to this defensive line that you just don't expect. And I love it.
1: Yeah. I touched on it with uh podcast with QT and the Clemson Paws guys, like to see this defensive line still continue to come up with new wrinkles. The look that we saw at the end of that uh, Syracuse comeback with Xavier Thomas, um, basically the defensive end uh, front, just incredible. And um, I hope, I mean, I am sure we're tucking that away for when, when, we know, it's passing down, it's coming up in crunch time, but um, I'm hopeful. We'll see a bunch of that this Saturday against NC state and good to see them, I guess, live up to our already lofty expectations.
2: I am interested to see if we just like rush two or three or four, only against uh, NC State because we're not worried about
0: their run game hardly at all. Right. I don't think we'll only rush three very often as much as we'll run fire zones Mm -hmm. where we send a linebacker off the edge and drop the uh, defensive end on the opposite side uh, into coverage. Uh, That was by far Mm -hmm. Venables' favorite blitz last year. Um, We haven't run it quite as much this year because, one, we haven't needed to. And, two, I don't think Venables trusted Simmons in coverage as much as he trusted O'Daniel at the same position, but I think this is a game where certainly we'll run some fire zones because one, we don't expect to get as many sacks as we normally would against such a pass heavy team. Part of that is because State dumps the ball off so quickly. Uh, The other part is State's offensive line is actually really good in pass protection. It's not just that they get rid of the ball so quickly and that makes their sack rate or sack rate allowed look better than it is. They actually are very good in pass pro. Um, Combine that with them getting rid of the ball within two seconds. I don't think we're expecting to get to Finley that often, uh, so I think dropping into throwing lanes will be a bit more important. Uh, getting your hands up, trying to tip the pass, more important than actually just you know straight rushing. So I think uh, the fire zones will be more conducive than you know five six man rushes or conventional four man rushes because we want to confuse the line, make them wonder where the pressure is coming from, but still hold up in the back end, especially underneath, since State is going to attack intermediate and outside more than they will anywhere else they aren't going to hit you deep very often unless it's a fade outside they're not going to hit you over the middle very often unless this unless it's an isolated slant or drag route Uh, they're they're going to do what they can to try and get the ball quickly into space before the pass rush arrives and uh, try to isolate big receivers outside that's, that's their game plan. They won't get much on the ground. They'll be in third and intermediates, third and longs all day, but that's been where they've survived all year. They're leading the, the country in third down conversion rate because Finley's so good. Um, they haven't had to run the ball much, uh, and it's been a meager gain on the ground whenever they do try it, but that keeps them in third and intermediate at the very, at the very worst, and then Finley's good enough to convert with the short stuff outside. I
3: could um, see us uh, leaning a little more heavily on like cover-two trap coverages just because they're going to be throwing it outside and short anyway pretty fast. If you can get one or two of those to break a game, you can get a pick-six out of that pretty quickly just by having a cornerback dropping deep and breaking on anything that's thrown short outside.
1: It's it's really going to be what's there for Finley to take, and if considering their their line seems to be strong in protection— Maybe they won't need to revert as much to maybe they can let plays develop. And if you know, if they play the holding game that we saw AM play, we'll see how heavy on the whistle the refs are. Um, that's kind of one thing we can look at too. But um I think if we're, if we're seeing like eight, nine, ten seconds tick off the off the play clock or off the game clock, that's when our secondary can be challenged. Uh, but I think, yeah, it's your your point. I don't know, I haven't seen any stats looking at like um the drop offs or you know how how quickly he's his release time is, that sort of thing um, in there. But that's also where some of the linebacker play. I think um, Kendall Joseph being able to have the bye week to rest and recover is going to be really important for what he's able to deliver in uh, that, that mid-range kind of um, pass protection too. Or I'm sorry, pass coverage. Outside of what you guys are kind of expecting against NC State, um, really for this defense, what it's shaped up to be for the season, I, I kind of want to look forward a bit in terms of offenses that we're likely to face down the stretch in the playoff, and um, that is a carousel right now. Of who who might make it in? It. Let's assume Clemson's kind of in the, the two-three zone. There, we'll probably play the the third seed if we're second. Um, any offenses out there that particularly scare you guys? Not
2: Alabama. Not
0: Alabama. <laughs> yeah, it's that's
1: definitely
0: Alabama. Alabama is the only one. Ohio State. Uh, Haskins is a lot is a lot better than I thought he would be. Uh, he he gives me pause, but I don't think Ohio State is built to withstand Clemson's defensive line. And there's certainly no other offense that I think would would hold up against Clemson's uh, entire front seven. Truly, Notre Dame would get destroyed. LSU would get destroyed. Uh, Bama, my my one sliver of hope against that offense is Tua isn't the biggest quarterback. And if you put pressure on him from up the middle, I think that's 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 the the way to beat Bama's offense. Certainly. And who has better defensive tackles than Clemson? Nobody. So if anybody can contain the Bama offense, it starts up front, and I, I think that's the interior line pressure. Not to mention Clemson's defensive ends are, are you know, pretty much titans. Um, so and I
1: think we get a good a good sense for how their line handles that against LSU coming up, as well as Auburn. I think mm-hmm. Auburn's defensive line is still really solid. Their offense is a complete mess right now, yep. uh, but. Those two tests are going to be really revealing. I don't think we've learned really anything about Alabama facing any strong
0: defenses thus far. Yeah, that's a good point. I think everyone's already penciled Bama in just because they look so unstoppable, but they really haven't been tested yet. Uh, A&M is great at run defense, but Tua still lit them up. Uh, LSU is going to be an interesting game. I don't think LSU can move the ball on Alabama, although Bama has shown a much weaker defense, especially a run defense than we're accustomed to seeing this year um but i still think bama will be able to sell out against the run and smother lsu because they're pretty much a one-trick pony right now if they can run the ball they look great we saw that against georgia they established the run and just took it to them bama won't let them do that and i don't think joe burrow can can carry lsu against alabama himself so I don't think LSU is going to materialize as a playoff team. I think it's it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, presumably if, if Clemson beats State. Because make no mistake, make no mistake. If, if Clemson loses this weekend, they won't even win the division. So it's uh that that's that's scary. Yeah, but who needs to win the division to get? Uh, I don't see another loss on State's schedule, honestly. I really don't. Yeah, the only fallback is, oh, they're NC State. They'll always lose. They'll lose somewhere. Look at the schedule. They I need to lose twice for us to win the they, division. Yeah, they need to lose twice. I don't see it happening. I really don't.
3: I'd be yeah, so much more afraid of Ohio State's offense if the defense wasn't coached by Greg Shiano. Yeah. Like, there's no overcoming that. Just they're a big 12 team in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, I, I really – I, I can't get away from the fact that I I like Clemson's chances comfortably against everyone except Alabama and I think some of our
1: questions through this previous weekend was like what are we going to get out of Georgia what do they look like has Jake Fromm taken a step forward and LSU game-planned him perfectly they took away his short easy throws his drop-offs his dump-offs and he couldn't hit those downfield and he did have some receiver drops and some of that 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 was untimely but um we have not seen that development from him and they lost playmakers on offense too but Anyway, I don't know that we'll, we'll have to see what Georgia puts together the rest of the way if they're even in the conversation, um, if they even are at a one loss at one loss coming into that SEC title game.
0: Well, if they win out, they're in, because then they have won the division and won the conference, beating Alabama to do so. Um, so they still control okay. their own destiny. But if they have another loss, they're out for sure. All, and really all the, all the LSU loss did was remove the notion that two SEC teams could get in. That's not the case anymore. The only the only chance would have been an undefeated matchup in the SEC title game. And then the loser sneaks in at the four spot. But that's not going to happen now. Um, Because let's say, you know, it's still Georgia versus Alabama. Bama's undefeated. Georgia's one loss. Let's say Bama wins. Georgia's got two losses and isn't a conference champ. They won't get in. All all the Georgia LSU game gave us was was it removed the notion, removed the uh, possibility that two SEC teams get in. That won't happen now which is fine with me. I'm all about that.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of sits fine with me that Clemson's got to be undefeated. I mean, if, you, if you're if you not going to beat NC State, and that is, you're, you got to get up for this game. It's a ranked matchup. It's for the division, de facto. You know, we need to prove it against this team. Otherwise, why are we talking about trying to get in the playoff?
0: Yeah, I, I think Clemson could sneak in with a loss, Elsewhere, it's just that loss can't beat NC State because if you lose to NC State, you will not win the division. The only way Clemson could get in with one loss is if they're still the ACC champ, and that won't happen if that loss is against NC State or obviously in the conference title game because really the state's not going to lose another game after this. If they do, it'll be one slip up, but they will not lose two more games. Looking at the schedule, like I don't have it in front of me right now, but it is cake. They will not lose two more games after Clemson. So this this is effectively the, the division title game right here. It really is. Yeah, happy homecoming.
1: Go ahead, John.
2: No, I mean, that was most of it. It was just happy homecoming, honestly. Um, it feels like we never get uh, an easy, simple game for a
1: homecoming game. But that's just ACC scheduling, I guess. I mean, I think maybe outside of that and maybe not getting the – night game this week which wasn't directly an ACC decision I feel like by and large we had a pretty good hand pretty good hand dealt to us this season especially by way of schedule especially the timing of the bye week avoiding all the pandemonium last week Alex
3: is
0: in Greensboro if we want to do something about it though that is true I'm in Greensboro for work right now I'm in the very city it's an awful city by the way there's no redeeming quality in this you city. like watergate john Swafford's phone yes i am here for work but i could very easily uh posit myself before the acc league office uh form a one-man picket line make a sign that says no more day give clemson a night kickoff which i know they will then decide to make all of clemson's road games night kickoffs um i don't know what it is i i I think it was 2011 where every single home game was a day game and every single away game was a night game. Yeah, that was 11. And I I think what it is whenever the the big name team travels, ESPN wants to put that game at night just to create a big game atmosphere at a place. You don't normally see it. Whereas when the, when the big name team is at home, they just stick that in the daytime because it's like, Oh, they're used to big games. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's certainly been how it's felt. That's been my impression. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's thing. criminal. I think it's criminal. Honestly, Clemson didn't get a night game for this. It's it's the last undefeated matchup in Power Five of the season. It's effectively the division title game. Uh, if 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 the uh, ESPN has a vested interest in the ACC like like they do because they're about to launch a, a league network, you would think they would want to pump this game instead of going to Purdue versus Ohio State or going to Washington State for whoever the whoever the hell they play. I don't even know. Like, I don't care about college game day. I got over that in high school. It was fun in 2006 against Georgia Tech. It was fun in 2008 in that opener against Bama, I guess. That game went poorly. But still, I went to game day for both of those. Sure, whatever. But I haven't been since because I don't really care about it. It's it's not something I enjoy. It's not something I care for. But it should have been here. It should have been, yes. But I'm, I'm more salty about the lack of night games, honestly. Because if there's one game – in the country that should have been the 8 o'clock, 7.30, 7 o'clock, whatever, whatever exact time slot that should have been the marquee matchup this weekend, it was this game.
1: But ESPN play themselves.
0: The silver lining is we got the best broadcast crew. Sean McDonough has been the best broadcaster ESPN has had uh, for the last, like, two decades. Todd Blackledge is a superior color commentator. And Holly Rose is a really good sideline reporter. I think we have the best broadcasting crew for this game. It's just I wish it were uh, three hours later.
1: Well, let's since we're on it, let's keep it with the NC State game here. Um, Alex, I, I think you already kind of teed us off on what we're going to look at from the Ryan Finley standpoint. Um, I do want to talk about their head coach for a minute, uh, Dave Doran coming in. Uh, he's already chirping a little bit coming into some of the pregame interview and media sessions. Uh, so I, I feel like Clemson is going to be ready to play in this one. Um, there's definitely a lot of, you can just tell from Dabo's comments um, as well, just where his head is at on this one. Um, So I I feel like this is going to be like, this is eventually, this is ultimately turned into a full fledged rivalry here in the Atlantic. say what you will about what Florida state's been able to do and what Louisville never became and materialized into, but uh, it's got the feel. It has the on the field sort of ranked matchups now to go with it. It has become the division title game that we used to have with Florida state. So, um, I'm really rivalry. excited about this. It has
2: become a rivalry. Are you tarnishing the good name of the Textile Bowl? One of yes. the oldest rivalries in the Southeast, I, I think. You're implying it ever had a good name or was I, a rivalry.
3: I'm
1: implying that it matters.
2: You're like. implying the metal is nice
3: enough to tarnish. Anyway, it's. That, uh, there's not metal
2: on that, that
1: trophy. That is uh, some fine, fine plastic. Need, need some textile puns here. We'll work on those. Um,
3: the but... <laughs> trophy's made of
1: burlap. Uh, we're it's just going right, yeah. to try to weave them in, huh? <laughs> it's made of lame, MC Hammer pan material. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it would ideally be a night game, but I, I have a feeling a 3.30 start, uh, that's going to give Clemson fans plenty of time to get um, amped up for this game at the tailgate. So, um, it's
0: nice a noon game,
2: Especially with this this nice weather we're having. Uh, now I say that, it's I, I, I assume it's just going to rain. Um, but, you know, all I expected when that cold front came through after Hurricane Michael that it was going to be right back up to 80 degrees, but it seems like it's going to chill like with
1: 70 being the, the high for a few months. I mean, in terms of what we know about otherwise uh, NC State's offense, it kind of strikes me that it is the Finley show. Uh, really no running game to speak of. Naheem Hines is gone this year. Uh, they had Matt Days the year before him. Really no one's been able to step up into that role. And uh, their their O-line seems to be more a pass-oriented, You know what they like to get done. So, um, I mean, you, you kind of laid it out earlier, Alex, with third down is really there where they play, but they haven't faced a defense like ours. And, I mean, this is one where ideally we're able to build up a lead and force Finley into getting into desperation throws uh, down the stretch and see if he can be rattled. But um, this is also one, I mean, without a running game, it's hard for them to do, but two years ago in the game at death Valley that we needed a, end a regulation miss and a couple of, or a Mark Sedman interception to win. Um, that seemed to me like much, much more of a ball control game from NC state and them controlling the time of possession and the clock and keeping Deshaun Watson on the sideline without a running game here, I don't know that I see that outcome, but it strikes me that they're going to want to have some type of, you know, use the clock to their advantage, some type of edge from that standpoint, if they want to compete.
0: Right. I agree. State is very methodical, but they don't do it on the ground. They, they definitely take their time between plays. They have a very slow pace, uh, but they move the ball underneath and outside with Finley's particularly strong anticipation and accuracy. They've managed to avoid third and very longs, but they're in third downs a lot because they do not have a reliable run game. Uh, And you know, if you throw one complete one incompletion on a on a in a three down series, and all of a sudden, boom! Let's say you ran the ball for two yards, throw an incompletion, then boom! It's third and eight or third and six, third and seven, somewhere in that range. But they've been able to convert you know sixty percent of those, which is remarkable. Um, So you know, you made a point about ball control two years ago. Yes, uh, state was definitely much more balanced in 2016 especially and last year as well um, but in 2016 yeah they, they definitely moved the ball almost at will uh, on the ground as crazy as that sounds um, you know Matt Days I think had nearly 100 yards for maybe four and a half yards of carry which doesn't sound like a lot but the fact that state was able to lean on the run game all day and not have to abandon it is not something we're used to and especially on that potential game-winning drive, I think they just fed days the whole way. And he got them in position to kick that field goal before, you know, <laughs> we uh we lucked out. Um not to think I that's not to think I'm suggesting state should have been in that position anyway, because Clemson had, you know, three or four, three turnovers in state territory, two of which were inside the 10-yard line, and then a pick six. So Clemson should have put that game away easily, but then, when you consider the fact they didn't and let hang, let state hang around, state should have won at the end. Um, but state is not that way anymore. They they have they do not have a reliable ground game. They're going to move the ball methodically through the air. Uh, but I think Clemson's uh, much more uh, suited to to stop that this year than they were a year ago, where they didn't have any cornerbacks and just had to give cushion and hope to hold up outside.
3: The thing that's insane with how efficient they are on passing downs to me is like they don't run the ball then at all. Like they have, like they run the ball a little bit less than average on standard downs and it falls off a cliff on passing downs. Like to their offensive line and Finley's credit, everyone knows exactly what they're going to do and they execute it as well as any team in the country. He almost never gets sacked. I think it's like second or third sack rate on passing down in the country. And he's converting like sixty percent of it. It, I mean, it's been against like just very bad defenses so far. But the efficiency he pulls off is insane.
0: Right. That's, that's why I don't think it's sustainable because one, it's coming against really bad defenses, and two, like you said, they don't they don't run the ball. They're facing so many obvious passing situations. It's amazing that they've been able to convert as many as they have. But that that's not sustainable. One because you know competition's about to be ramped up and two just because even if the competition isn't that poor it's like that's just not sustainable anyway converting over 50 much less 60% when you're in mostly passing situations is unheard of like you you never hear of teams converting that high a rate unless they're just insanely good on the ground like let's say option teams really good option teams like like Paul Johnson a decade ago Georgia Tech in the la- you know the early part of Paul Johnson's tenure they were converting over fifty percent because they were always in third and short. State isn't in third and short often. There, they're usually in third and intermediate at best. Because when they are in third and short, they're still throwing it. Um, it but so that that it just isn't sustainable, and it's remarkable they've been able to s- sustain it this long to begin with. But I don't see that being the case this weekend. Clemson's too good, and it, it's just such an unsustainable rate for State that it, the luck's – not luck, but the wells—got to got to run dry or where it has to even out at some point and I, i think running into an uber talented defense will will bring them back to earth
2: i mean but you do have to look at uh clemson's weakness this year has kind of been third and long on defense it's been kind of weird seems like we get them to third and eight and then all of a sudden oh look there they are they completed a ball into the flat and look they got a first down by one yard yeah, like over Dungy and is, over again. Yeah. And we're in the the 50s or 60s on third and long situations. I mean, we're good in third and medium and third and short, but I mean, third and long it's just a big drop off. And it's is that a Kellen Mond's fault? Is that a uh, Eric Dungey's fault? Or is that
0: just? This defense has a problem with third and long. I think it's mostly Kellen Mond. That was a bit of an outlier. Uh, Syracuse was not good on third down. I forget the exact statistics, but they converted far less, far less than fifty percent. Uh, I forget the exact number, but it was it was a pretty good third down defensive percentage for Clemson that day. Um, I like I said, I don't remember the exact figure, but I, I think the, the big outlier was Kellen Mond. Um, but really, I I think. Stopping NC State on third down comes back to the fire zone blitzes. I don't think Clemson's going to send a lot of bodies at Finley because they know the pressure won't get there in time. That's why I think they'll, you know, send the linebacker, but drop a drop a defensive end more often than not. When when pressure comes, it's going to be trying to confuse State with where the pressure is coming from, and hoping to 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 get Finley into not seeing who's dropping into a passing lane, whether it's Cleveland Farrell, Austin Bryant, or even even Christian Wilkins. Um, I think I think we'll see a lot of fire zones more so than we've seen so far this year. You know, Venable's leaned on it a ton last year, hasn't had to do it much this year. We've seen it, you know, in in space in in a few uh, situations, but I think we'll see it frequently on Saturday because one, state's going to be in a lot of passing situations, uh, even in, on standard downs they'll they'll just throw the ball, but also because Clemson will force them into a lot of obvious passing situations and then Clemson will send the fire zones try to put someone into a passing lane uh you know forego the rush in hopes of just tipping a ball because they, there aren't going to be many chances for sacks and uh when when Clemson does get pressure you know Finley's so good at eluding it and and rolling out and getting rid of the ball accurately anyway it's I don't think Clemson will sell out to actually sack him I think they'll hope to confuse him uh and sneak into passing lanes
1: yeah i was gonna ask if you guys feel like there are any wrinkles from a personnel standpoint that will either be an adjustment made let's say if they're successful early or that you think the coaching staff goes to um, any any linebackers or if they mess around with um, more than the the starting set from the secondary uh, but Alex you brought up a good point about um, I, I feel like Austin Bryant this is sort of his territory where he's shown a lot of proficiency in his career stepping back into coverage um, no better example of that than the Virginia Tech game last year uh, so that's also I mean if it does come to that he's got that level of versatility that then they can send fires fire blitz pressure fire zone blitz pressure um, on the opposite end
2: when I do think you're going to see a lot of uh Austin Bryant dropping the coverage and then Cleveland Farrell or Xavier Thomas being the the defensive end that they do send because they're just going to want speed you're to you're going to want somebody that can get around the the edge before they can get the ball off because uh Everybody knows that Ryan Finley is going to be just listening for footsteps, and the second he hears something, he's just going to get rid of it. Because I mean, that's how you beat this defense. Honestly, is that they're going to blitz you. I mean, I said everybody, but I mean the secondary is the, the weaker part. So if you need the ball into your receivers' hands, you're probably going to be pretty successful.
1: My hope here too is Mark Fields figures out how to catch an interception if we we go with the cover two traps that Matt was talking about.
2: Yeah, honestly, for wide receiver, you we need to like get him into that training program. Uh, something about like the the five minute catching the football for dummies video would be nice. But you know. I this
3: might not be a great game for Mark Fields just because they don't start a receiver shorter than six two, and the backups are all like six feet on the short. Like he's not gonna have a fair height matchup.
0: Yeah, this is where we're lucky that we have Terrell and Mullen, who are both what 6'2", 6'1", 6'2", and very physical as well. We'll yes. be able to actually jam people at the line this year, unlike last year, where where we just sat back. Like I saw somewhere today or yesterday, where state West State fans said, "Well, we didn't run the ball on Clemson last year, and we still played very well offensively." And my counter to that is, "Well, yeah, like State knew they didn't really need to run the ball. They tried to just to keep Clemson honest, but." Clemson couldn't play aggressive coverage outside because they didn't have any cornerbacks. State saw that and said, okay, we can just throw slants all day and move the ball whenever we want. We'll try a handoff. Oh, it didn't go anywhere. Oh, well, back to throwing. This year, State is going to give up on the run game pretty early, and Clemson's going to do everything they can to actually take away the slants and quick outs that State feasted on last year. Because, you know, Clemson has the bodies at corner to do it this year. So I, I really think the only uh, option state State's going to have to move the ball consistently is with a lot of back shoulder throws, a lot of quick fades to their tall receivers. But, again, I, I don't think that's sustainable because that takes perfect execution both on the throw and on the receiver, and Clemson's going to be looking for those. And with Clemson's bigger corners, I think it, it's not as poor a matchup as many are suggesting – Everyone's saying, "Oh, State has these big physical receivers. They throw the ball so well." Yeah, Finley still may get 300 yards, but that's because they won't rush for 100. It's going to be nothing but Finley. And if your only chance at moving the ball is running a lot of fades and quick outs, like that, that's going to run dry. Clemson's going to adjust, and they won't have a run game to keep it honest. <laughs> if if Clemson's sitting on the on you know jamming the slants as, as well or as well as I hope they do, considering that's what state did so well last year, I I don't see state moving the ball nearly as well as people expect, you know, national media who don't play super close attention expect. Um, why don't we flip it to the other side of the ball guys. I think that um, really the strength
1: of this team or the surprise of this team coming in is that Clemson's offense is ranked in the advanced stats at number 10 um, on the season that after having a little bit of turmoil at the quarterback position, um, having an entire game played sorry an entire half played by a third string um, quarterback albeit one that was very capable and did a great job but um offense is looking like you know still a work in progress is still evolving what their identity is but i think we saw in the wake forest game coaching staff commit to the run and the results that follow from that granted that was against the defense that lacked its own identity and its own defensive coordinator leadership but um offense is coming around and I don't know that NC State's defense is going to be one to challenge them too much here, um, outside of any potentially shenanigans, dirty plays that they want to dial up. Any thoughts so far as you guys have been um, kind of examining the NC State defense that we need to know about?
0: Well, I have finished my weekly preview of the opponent's defense. I wrote a lot not just about the NC State defense, of course. I kind of uh, went off on Dave Doran and a few other things to generate some uh, some hype. Sometimes get carried away, as most of you know. I definitely got carried away this week. Uh, but I was impressed with State's defensive line. They run a lot of stunts. Um, they run mostly man coverage, man cover one, man cover two. So that brings a lot of linebacker blitzes off of green dogs, which is when, uh, let's say, a linebacker is manned up on a running back and that running back stays in the pass protect, then the linebacker blitzes because his man isn't going out for a route. Uh, So they'll generate a lot of pressure off of stunts and delayed green dog blitzes. Um, But there's a huge weakness in the secondary. Uh, They run an actual 4-2-5 nickel, not a hybrid 4-3. And that nickel back is a true freshman, 5'10", 180-pound. And that's what he's listed at. So that means he's actually shorter and lighter, uh, who is – being asked to play a flex position and uh, (laughs) you're not going to be able to stop the run with just a front six, especially against this Clemson running attack. Uh, So because of that state has brought their safeties down extremely shallow, which has left them very vulnerable to play action. Uh, They're never going to slide their nickel back in like, uh, like Clemson will do with their, with their Sam linebacker. They are going to bring at least one safety down, sometimes both down before they will slide the nickel in and very often their nickel has been the deepest defender on the field before the snap. Uh, and on play action, it's been brutal. He's given up quite a few deep posts for touchdowns this year. Um, not even against particularly good teams just because he's, he's getting no safety help. Right. And when state, when state does go cover one with a deep safety, even that safety is too shallow to actually play cover one properly. Um, there, there's one play I highlight when, and by the time this podcast published or Posts, well, my article may already be out. Um, there's one play in particular against Marshall where states in man cover one robber and the slot receiver just runs a deep post. Uh, their, their nickel lets him get inside, and the safety, you know, the free safety crashes, the play action, he's down in the box in like a hook zone, even though he's a robber. And the, the deep safety is playing in a robber position, he's only 10 yards from the line of scrimmage, and the nickel has absolutely no help. It's not necessarily his fault that you know he thought he'd have deep safety help, so he gave it the inside. Um, so that's sort of been the, the biggest problem in State's defense. They can't stop the run without safeties, and they get burned over the top. Um, so really their, their only hope is is just getting penetration in the backfield. Their defensive line, despite losing everyone to the NFL, has been better than expected. It's a veteran experienced group. Um, they don't generate a lot of pressure um, without stunts. They don't have a lot of sacks. But they're a pretty active unit, and I don't think Clemson's going to be able to run it well on them early, but that's because Clemson only runs inside zones early because, you know, they don't they don't run power until so they have to. They just, you know, try to feel the other defense out before they're like, oh, okay, we should probably impose our will now. I guess we'll run some power and counter. Oh, what do you know? We just scored four touchdowns running the same play. So I, I think it will be a bit of a struggle early, um, but hopefully Clemson will hit some passes early against shallow safeties before they can really start – uh, before we see Elliot actually try to run the ball properly,
2: <laughs> I don't know the the way you you described our our offense there did make me think that our offense is kind of like a uh, it's kind of like Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott are somebody that doesn't really know how to drive a stick shift, but they they have this really fast stick shift car and they keep not quite getting the gear, and then every once in a while they get the gear and like oh this is great and we're scoring like forty points.
0: Yeah, I, I think they just want to feel. The other team out and see what the defense is doing and adjust to that instead of just taking it to them and making them adjust like we saw that against wake the first three drives clemson's just running oh inside zone oh screen pass oh bubble screen off the inside zone oh state safeties are crashing the run we should get the ball quick out so lawrence checks out of inside zone and just zips it out to the screen which is built in and then fourth drive first play counter handoff to etn goes 70 yards it's like I would much rather see Clemson try to make the opponent adjust to our game plan instead of the other way around. And my only complaint really with, with anything in on Clemson's football team right now besides punting is the fact that we are content to just feel another team out and then adjust to what they're doing instead of the other way around. Let's say State gets an early touchdown while we're just screwing around on offense trying to feel them out. No, like Then we're in a hole, then it's a game. Whereas if we take it to them and make them adjust – they're in a hole, we know they can't run the ball, then, then it really is Finley or bust from the start instead of in the second or third quarter when they finally give up on the run. So <laughs> run power from the start, run counter from the start, make them adjust to what, what you're doing instead of the other way around. That is my complaint, and that is really the only thing that has me nervous, is State getting an early lead because Clemson's just trying to feel them out on offense. Rant over.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we are starting to see what the – like, like the ideal version of this offense looks like, and um, again, what the pause guys and QT sort of what we arrived at there was really what's going to be able to challenge this Clemson team is a defense with enough talent, enough playmakers, where they don't have to stack the box to challenge our running game, and we're not likely to see that the rest of the way in the in the regular season. Um, FSU's got some talent on defense. I don't know that they have that right type of talent to slow this Clemson team down, so when we are faced with defenses that will have to stack the box, that is opening things up perfectly for Trevor Lawrence. And I still feel like I, I like my chances with the ETN. So really hoping to see NC state's got a better defense than wake forest does. Uh, what, do, what do the coaches decide to do? What sort of identity are they going to bring to this one? Do they do that from the start? Or is it again, a little bit more of a feel out? I mean, kind of clutching for answers. Like, are they trying to, try new things while it's not garbage time to see, see what they get from first stringers on the defensive side of the ball. I don't really know, but this, it, again, it's kind of our, our reality at this point uh, as Clemson fans, we got to deal I, with it.
0: I think they're trying to put some feelers out there not just to see what Wake is doing, but, but get Wake to react to something that we're setting up, not Wake, but just Wake being the most recent game. Um, most recent example. I, I think they're, putting things out there establishing tendencies so that then they can exploit a constraint off of it later which is all well and good I mean sure that that works later in the game but when you're going three and out like half the first quarter and I, I think the fact that Wake was running at such a fast pace and also going three and out kind of put us in a false sense of security like you can't get away with that again. Away with that against NC State. Like the number of possessions we had against Wake Forest, sort of made it seem better than it was. But the fact of the matter is, Clemson has really just kind of screwed around on its scripted plays to start every single game this year. Now there have been a couple of unfortunate turnovers, like some fumbles. I think Lawrence fumbled. Um and two different games on on meshes or oh wait no it was the mesh against syracuse and then where the ball just slipped out of his hand on the release against against wake so yeah there was some some bad luck there but clemson's not actually trying to run its proper run game until like third or fourth drive of the game that that's a problem in my eyes i i would much rather see clemson try and make the defense adjust instead of putting things out there to exploit later no you've got to get out, out on a big lead on state as soon as possible put them out of their comfort zone make Finley have to bring them back from the start. That You've got to do that against State. You can get away with it against Wake. You can't against State. I definitely want to see some eight-yard runs on first down in the first quarter.
1: Yeah, if we see those, we're feeling pretty good about life. Just
0: Anything to,
2: to keep us to out it. of
3: passing downs, because if the offensive line has one Achilles heel, it's that neither of our guard spots can pick up a stunt or a blitz to save their life. Like, at left guard, it's mostly just because he's massive at 320 pounds it's just not going to happen at right guard i honestly don't know if they have any idea what's going on on certain passes like they're missing like just handing off on stunts they're missing when linebackers come around like either of the right guards in it's just and i mean i know that we rotate guys i know that this is part of developing depth but with ancrum at right tackle you're basically getting what you expect out of a right tackle Hyatt's had some weird mistakes. Like, he's underperforming for what we talk of him as, like this sort of just automatic clock first round tackle. I don't know if he's that anymore. And at center, you have a redshirt senior. You have to, like, he's just steady. It's all you can really ask for there. But if we can stay out of, like, obvious passing situations, we can play to our strengths a lot more.
0: Right. So- they will want to put us in, in third and long whenever. They possibly can. They they run a, a dime package, a three, two, six dime, where they put the entire front, essentially uh, entirely the, the front six in, in, in effect on the line, and then they'll drop people back, uh, usually in cover two. Um, but they're going to try and send pressure up the middle. If, if there's a way to stop Clemson's offense right now, it's uh, send every single pass read, pass key known to mankind in the hopes that they throw the ball instead of give it to ETN and then send pressure up the middle on stunts. That is how you stop Clemson. You get them into a pass pass check and then send pressure up the middle. And if Clemson's adjusting to what State does instead of the other way around, like we've seen Clemson do early in each and every game, I I think State's going to come out strong just because Clemson is going to let them dictate it up front. Based on what we've seen this year, I think Clemson will let State dictate the game Uh, from an offensive play-calling perspective. And I hate saying that because I have plenty of faith in in the staff. I mean, we know they're not dumb. We know they're smart. But I think just letting – I think feeling out the defense is very, very self-defeating from the start. Um,
2: Words cannot describe how thankful I am that Dexter Lawrence does not play for NC State. Oh, my
0: God, I know. Uh,
1: Where are you (laughs) – What's the likelihood, I don't know if you guys read some of Dave Doran's comments about they need to put Trevor Lawrence on his back. make feel, him feel some pressure, feel some pain. Um, how high has he set the bounty for a, a Trevor Lawrence injury?
0: You know, I wouldn't care about those comments at all if they'd come from any other coach. But given the fact it's Dave Doran and his history of appreciating injuring other players, I do take issue with it. But that's because I'm extremely biased, biased against Dave Doran. I will admit that. There is not a coach I dislike more on this earth than Dave Doran. Is that fair? Probably not. First person to
2: injure Trevor Lawrence gets two Microsoft Zooms. <laughs>
1: Maybe he'll uh, give
0: away towels.
1: I was going to make it. I mean, it's got to be textile related, right?
0: Yes, towels are made out of cotton, after all, aren't they? Yeah, I are they? I don't know. This uh, I go to an ag school, and I don't know this. I <laughs> feel bad. Are they all polyester now? What I don't even know what it is. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I was I was a business, cotton. College, business college graduate, so I don't oh, know. My towels are made from liberal
2: tears. <laughs>
1: um, Matt, I I think. Very solid uh, recap of what to expect from the O-line. I know that they have been shuffling, as you said. Is there a particular quintet set of of guys that you think um, down the stretch will want to see in the obvious passing downs that you, you have a high degree of trust in? Maybe focus on that right side?
3: Honestly, no. I don't trust anyone at right guard yet. It's not a physical issue. It's just they've messed up too many mental things. And that's not, some of that's on Stewart, but you can turn right around and you can say the exact same thing of Pollard and it's less excusable with Pollard because he's been there more often. But no, there's not, I mean, honestly, I'm getting to the point where I might trust Saravanka more at right guard, but we just haven't seen him there yet. That's more just because he's yet to make like a big mistake there, but no, every right guard's, I mean, they might get there, they all have time to, but there's not. Five solid linemen up and down. Servinka did
2: have that really bad false start on the fourth and one.
0: True. And yeah, it was fourth, yeah, fourth and one, but that, that gave us Chase Bryce's moment. So Yeah, but still he was like was in bad. the second level and Servinka played very well as a run blocker in that game. He really did. He had a very good game aside from that that one false start, which is easy to pick out. He really had a, a good game. So I'll give him a pass
1: yeah so i mean just in terms of lofty goals for this team this season um really good we have six more games to try to figure out um sort of the right right combination of guys and get additional reps and snaps in there um, so they can build up continuity and communication along the line and hopefully that doesn't become an achilles heel in any of these games coming up that could put the season in jeopardy Um, but i would say yeah this is I mean, Alex, you talked about the play calling potentially being a, a weak link of this team outside of punting. I think that's one that, when we talk about aspirations or the ceiling of this team, that the O line um, in passing situations is definitely uh, one of the potential weak links.
0: Yeah, and my issue with the play calling isn't that I think it's bad. I, I just think it's 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 self defeating. You know, if if you need to stay out of these passing situations, one because you have a freshman quarterback. Two, because your line isn't great in pass pro. And three, because it's just not conducive to offensive success anyway. Why are you starting out with inside zones and then bubble screens and and all sorts of short stuff which just put you behind the chains from the start? Like the inside zone is a staple, of course, but it, it's it's not where Clemson's strength is. And if the defense, like Wake was doing early, is is checking – is forcing you to check out of the inside zone handoff into a quick bubble screen. When you know, that play just isn't working. I don't want to say give up on it because it's part of the offense and it's a constraint off, off of a staple play. It's, it's, it's a constraint off of the inside zone, but run some power from the start, run what works, run the power and the counter That's where you that's where the explosive run plays come from and not, not even just explosive, but deadly efficient, like eight or nine yards pretty much every time Travis Etienne is averaging over nine yards a carry and that's coming from power handoffs. It's coming from counter runs. It's not coming from inside zones. I, that that That's my complaint. And I, I hate complaining. I'm not a negative person. I hate throwing negativity where it isn't necessarily warranted. And yeah. I say it's a nitpick. It's a gripe to say, oh, I don't like the play calling early. I don't like these scripted plays. But I know there's a purpose. I know it's to set things up later. But against better teams, you can't get away with with screwing around for the first two or three drives of the game. Yeah,
1: 100%. Um. I guess you know other aspects of the team we haven't really touched on yet is how the wide receivers have emerged and where I fully expect um, to continue to see Justin Ross and T. Higgins be a huge part of this offense and Trevor Lawrence to continue to develop. NC State, let me just ask you guys, like do you think this is a game where TL can continue to develop his deep passing um, capability and connection with with the two uh,
0: young stars? That is an emphatic yes for me. Uh, one, because State already needs to bring their safeties in shallow to uh, mitigate the potential damage on the ground from having a, uh, a five 5'10", 180-pound, and that's being generous, player at uh, a nickel position, which, make no mistake, replaces a linebacker. Uh, and also, the secondary hasn't been good. Outside of that, even if even when the safeties are deep in cover two, they, they play man coverage, which Clemson doesn't face very often. It, it's rare that we see a lot of man coverage. Uh, and, and the way they play cover one uh, so shallow, it's effectively cover zero. And that's why you've seen them beat so many times deep over the middle. It's not much better outside that the, the secondary is definitely weakness. And if state does stick with man coverage, Lawrence can have a field day. Um, I hope that we establish ETN first because that'll just make it easier. But, you know, with, with state expecting Clemson to, to try and hammer away on the ground, the, the opportunities for Lawrence and Higgins and Ross are going to be there from the start. Um, and I think it could be an offensive explosion. It really could be their secondary is, is that underwhelming?
1: Yeah. When um, that, when the line opened up it, I, I kept seeing like 17 and a half, 18 and a half, whatever it was, I think it moved quickly right away. Uh, felt high and it, you're kind of when you feel that you're tempted to maybe look at the action on that and my first thought was what about the first half line like take nc state it's probably like eight ten points there uh, which felt a little rich but knowing the big play explosiveness capability of our offense and what they're susceptible to i don't know it could be could be a boat race right from the start and again that a lot of that will be predicated on the scripted game plan and how effective the defense is at containing Finley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that could be a good line.
0: Yeah, I, I think it'll be right around there, actually. My first reaction was, whoa, that's a huge line. But then Clemson should be both explosive and efficient against State. Uh, depends on <laughs> just how accurate Lawrence is, how well the pass pro holds up when we do throw, and honestly, how often we run power and counter. I'm going to beat that dead horse because it's, it's worth beating. Um But honestly, I don't necessarily expect a shootout. State is not explosive, and they run a very slow, methodical offense. If you aren't explosive and you don't run with pace, you're not going to score a lot of points unless you're getting a ton of possessions or getting a lot of short fields. So let's say Finley goes off. I mean, he could throw for 400 yards easily. I think. I mean, if State is going to win, he has to reach the 350-400-yard threshold because you know they're not going to get yards on the ground. And he's going to have to score more touchdowns than field goals. And without a solid run game, when the field shrinks in the red zone, they're at the mercy of fades and, and isolation, which tells me they're going to kick more field goals than touchdowns. So I don't necessarily see a shootout. I really don't. I think Clemson will win by, honestly, about where the line is, probably 18 to 20 points is, is my general ballpark.
2: Or they'll just lose because that would be a very close move. I mean, it does worry me. Um, I haven't really seen this offense when you are in a passing situation with Trevor Lawrence. Um, Like, yeah, they bring him in, Texas A&M. He throws one pass and they immediately score. But um, sorry, Uh, but he hasn't really been in, you know, a fourth quarter. You know, we need some passing yardage here, all this kind of stuff. He's never really been in one of those situations. I mean, the closest we have on that is Wake Forest, and we were up 60 points by the time the fourth quarter rolled around. So if we're in a battle late in the game, I'm kind of worried about what we're going to do. Are we just going to lean on Etienne and shorten the game, or are we going to put it in Trevor Lawrence's hands and not really know?
1: Yeah, Johnny, make a a good point. And a lot of of ink has been spilled already this year about Tua not playing much in the fourth quarter because they don't have to. Have we really seen Trevor Lawrence have to prove it and show it just yet? And granted, he's been a starter for one game he got knocked out, and he's been a starter for two other games. And by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, really wasn't too much of a game at that point. So sort of similar, you could have a similar approach. Um, We haven't really seen him need to win a game for this team yet. And may not need to happen Saturday. It could. We'll see what we get. But, um, and you guys probably know more than I do how his high school career went. Um, Was he in a lot of positions to, you know, have to kind of lead his team back from a deficit, that kind of thing? But, I mean, at some point he's going to need to. So, uh, in a way, I'd almost rather have him be challenged now than, you know, in Miami or Dallas later on. Um, I guess like to think think about where this team is stands moving I, I think we all feel pretty good about um what we know what we're gonna get against the State team down the stretch areas of this team you guys would like to see develop before we're pre- playoff ready a championship contending team um is there anything that we can do in the special teams game to improve uh, you're not going to stop the ray guy effect of an opposing punter what they're able to do to flip the field on us our starting field position or field position advantage is definitely one of the weaker spots of this team from an advanced stats standpoint. Um, But is, I mean, anything we can do in, in our own punting game to improve really hate talking about special teams, but it, it definitely is legit, legit issue. I mean, I just,
2: I start dressing Will Spires up in, like, opposing team's uniforms, see if that the Magic will get tricked somehow, and be like, oh, here he is, we'll go to this guy, and then we switch him back over, and then have him punt for us, and then suddenly, we get the Ray guy. Like, honestly, I can't think of anything we could do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's go like for it on never gonna get fixed. Yeah,
3: just go for it every time. A lot of it's personnel based, and, like, we have Will Spires until we decide that we want to put Hunter Renfro back there. And, like, that, I mean, there's not a ton else you can really do. Like, your punter's your punter at a certain point. I It hasn't really been an issue with coverage. Like, just every so often things have gone catastrophically awry when it's gone off Spire's foot. There's not a ton you can do there. You kind of just hope for gradual improvement.
0: I really thought he'd be better than he is because you see him and he's a tall kid with long legs. That That's normally conducive to, you know, big hamstring muscles and big glutes which will you know propel the ball farther into the air but we haven't really seen that from him and i don't know if it's just a lack of strength or poor technique but you know if if we're going to have a weakness on the team i'll take it at punter that's fine with me i mean if i if, if i have to have a weakness i want it at punter because then i'll never punt that's that's my solution never punt don't do it or or let Renfro try it, because I just want to see him do everything.
2: Are, are we just going to let Alex go by with his, oh, yes, I've been studying Will Spires'
0: legs and glutes?
2: And yep, that's fine. Be
0: that I does. mean, he's like, what, 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, You'd think he'd be able to just launch rockets off his, off his foot.
1: Uh, so we have two wish list items this year. That would be Hunter Renfro punting the ball and Christian Wilkins under center. Yes. Dabo, if you're listening, I know you listen to every show. What up? Uh, you got our – this is our wish list.
0: Yep. Also, yeah, that, I really think that could happen. It, I'd be surprised if he did it because it, someone would view that as disrespect or, you know, like running up the score, blah, blah, blah. But last home game of the year, senior night, if there is a time Dabo will put Christian Wilkins at quarterback – It will be for the curtain call. Remember that the timeouts he called two years ago and made South Carolina so mad. They got so upset we called timeout to let seniors come out on the field and take a knee, blah, blah, blah. If there is a time where it is going to happen, it is going to be the end of the South Carolina game. We're up big, it's garbage time. Dabo calls timeout, takes all the seniors out for their curtain call, puts Wilkins in at quarterback for like the last snap or two, let him run his own read. I would probably collapse on the spot and just Ascend into heaven, or you know, I'm, I might already be in heaven just by witnessing it. I might not need to ascend; I could very well already be there. If I think they're going to the pick pass, a spot
1: where we can score a touchdown. Like, if,
2: why if do if there's a pass, you know exactly what play it is going to be.
1: Mm.
0: Yes, I want to see to this ahead. against South Carolina. I hope, in fact, I hope we don't see it until that game because if it does it's happen, be, that would just be the, the ultimate ultimate in 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 I can't even think of a word to describe it. It, oh, I'm tearing up thinking about it. Hang on.
2: Have, uh, have, um, Dexter Lawrence play the role of, uh, Arteva Scott and just run the national title play with Christian Wilkins under center. Um, you know, I mean, 200 hunter of course, and just in South Carolina's life, it would be chef's kiss.
1: Oh, yes, that would be Dabo's masterpiece for sure. Um, yeah, so down the stretch, guys. After NC State, um, looking at the schedule, we then go to Florida State. We're two weeks away from that, or basically, you know, ten days now from that game, and zero fanfare. It's going to be a noon game in Tallahassee. Um, a lot of a lot of FSU people on Twitter that I follow are like, "That's great, it's a noon game. Clemson's going to sleepwalk into that." Um, how far they have fallen from wanting a night game at Doak to applauding a noon game against Clemson. But after them, we get Louisville um I just maybe to take a second to look at this schedule. Is there any world in which you guys would have thought at the beginning of the year that the Boston College Duke South Carolina stretch would be potentially a tougher haul for Clemson than
0: NC State, Florida State, Louisville? Nope. Not a chance.
2: Boston and College, yes, and- but the rest of those teams, no.
0: I don't think
3: anyone saw Florida State falling apart this fast. Like, that's just, that's your zero
1: definitely year zero stuff and I mean they they had a rough year last year and um some early injuries compiled with Jimbo essentially losing the team and um I I would have thought they would bounce back a bit under Willie Taggart and kind of new blood in the leadership and getting um DeAndre Francois back hasn't really materialized additionally though I didn't really expect to see this far of a, a drop from Louisville either um just where they were yes they lost LJ of course but um I guess defense was always going to be an issue with Brian Van Gorder uh, taking the helm there. But uh, yeah, we don't need to dwell too much on Louisville, but just everyone should go and look at the advanced box score of that Georgia Tech game. You know, anytime you're feeling like a little stressed out at work, maybe had a tough day, go read that box score. It'll cheer you up.
2: Nick, Nick, you mentioned our uh, most favorite of our sons, Brian Van Gorder. Um, uh, Just putting up such a great Van Gorder. This year, um, really like getting to the, the meat of what it means to be a mediocre coach in the, uh, the ACC. Uh, it's been kind of amazing the, the level of stomped he got uh, stomped by Georgia Tech. Uh, just the oldest grudge for some reason, but it's classic Paul Johnson. Uh, Louisville is just getting worse and worse and worse on defense. It was funny because twenty sixteen they had like a really frustrating, annoying defense. Like Jair Alexander like genuinely made me angry as a football fan. Um but now it's just there's nothing to be afraid of with their defense. It's just a kitten without teeth, like a bird without teeth even.
1: <laughs> a toothed bird that's toothless. Um yeah, just uh of all the Louisville defenses, this one's the louisville I believe, which is saying a lot after a Peter Sermon year and a Todd Grantham year prior to that. Um,
3: oh, know, they did the Pokemon thing where it's gotten like more mediocre, just more ACC mediocrity, just leveled up, gotten. Van Gord is the final evolution, though. Like, that's as far as this goes.
2: Yeah, no, Brian Van Gorder is Raichu in the sense that nobody wants Raichu, they just want their. Pikachu to stay at Pika because Pika is
1: really very- um I think Matt's rejoining here. Uh moving on to kind of that second half of the second half. Um Boston College, a lot of chatter early season. They were gonna be a, a sexy upset pick against Clemson. They're entering the tough stretch of their schedule here, and they've they've dropped a couple already. Um some of those without uh, the services of AJ Dillon. But uh guys, I don't I'm not really seeing it from BC. Um, I think they've been proven to be a bit fraudulent, particularly on defense. Um, but, you know, Don Brown's no longer there. Adazio is actually, um, I believe he's, uh, he produces very good defenses, let's put it that way, but they just haven't been able to keep up this year. And I don't know if that's a function of their offense not succeeding as and the defense, kind of has to pay the price ultimately, but any any parting thoughts on Boston College?
0: Yeah, they've been disappointing. I thought they'd be the second or third best team in the division this year. Uh, part of that was because I thought they'd finally found a quarterback to make them somewhat, if not modern, but at least not horribly one-dimensional. But yeah, uh, it seems Anthony Brown has regressed. And, you know, without A.J. Dillon, like you said, it's been borderline awful for them over the past few weeks. So... it. It's disappointing because, you know, everyone thought that might be our, our toughest road game or the tr- the final trap game. Uh, but you know, I feel like we've we've changed that label every week. You know, A M was oh, A&M's gonna be tough. Then it was, oh, Syracuse is gonna be our toughest game, and of course they were tough. And now it's NC State. <laughs> I'm sure we'll we'll probably convince ourselves that that Florida State's gonna might be good next week or Duke in a few weeks. Um, so BC's been disappointing. I certainly thought they'd be in the top half of Top half of the division, if not challenging for second, uh, but it hasn't been the case. It's it's been a, a disappointing year for them uh, in the rare year where they had relatively high expectations.
1: Yeah, keep us moving here. I mean, I think in the remaining games, get past NC State, and then I think it's just a matter of uh, both health and continuing to develop some of the areas we've talked about. I do want to before we wrap and kind of get into kind of where we all feel the season will end up ultimately. Now with about half a year of context behind us, uh, South Carolina, the Gamecocks, they're on our schedule end of the year. Uh, how's that tempo offense working for them, guys? You guys paid paid attention to not too.
2: great,
1: Bob. Not great, Bob. Um, quarterback controversy—they've got one too. I don't, I don't know. Is did they ultimately bench Bentley? I don't think they have. I think he's coming back.
0: Yeah, they he's... haven't benched him. Um, I, I think a lot of the hype around him was, was uh, contingent upon his physical traits. And, you know, if you look at him, it's like, Oh yeah, he could be an NFL quarterback. He's got the adequate size. He's got a good arm, good mechanics. He's just a head case. He gets himself way too high and way too low. He, uh, whenever he's excited, like there was a video of him like smashing a chair on the sideline, which, yeah, that passion's great. Yeah. Fires the team up. But it's also why he fails so horribly when he does. He's, he's a head case. He's not mentally tough. And he gets too high and then collapses or gets too low and can't fight back. He's, he's just he's not. A almost champ of quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Smashing things on the sideline. You're right. They, wow. You are so right. Thank you for that. I needed, I needed that, that connection. That's beautiful.
1: I mean, our, I think this we touched on it in a, a couple of comments, comments related to our preview. I see this year as going a lot more like 2016 than 2015 or 2017 by way of final score. Um, back in the Valley, uh, not necessarily a lot to prove on our side, but uh, good good senior atmosphere for a lot of um, – it's basically going to be the, the Power Rangers day. Um, I see them putting on a show in that game.
0: Yeah, it should be roughly a 30-point win, give or take a few. Never again.
1: Never again. Cycling out. Um, and then from the Coastal, I mean, I, I read some tweets. Four and four for all seven teams in the Coastal is still oh, in play. I am
2: so excited.
1: For I that want that.
2: I have Maybe. missed the uh, think 11 Miami
1: made it so
3: much more likely. And also, legitimately, might have knocked Miami out of the race because I forgot Virginia was in the coastal. Mm-hmm. But like, Virginia may have just taken Miami out and raised the four and four odds.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not only is it mathematically possible, it's actually feasible. Like, sure, a lot of dominoes have to fall, but yeah. each one of those dominoes isn't out, it, not outside the realm of possibility. It really is. This being
2: possible again has just uh, made me very nostalgic for the days of 11:30 uh, after a college football Saturday and hearing Reese Davis, Lou Holtz, and Mark May say so we, in unison, "ACC,
0: we love destiny." Just, yes, I remember those days too. That was fun. I knew where you were going, and I had to. I had to synchronize with you. It was beautiful. I mean, it's
1: been a it's been a crazy season.
0: This past weekend was amazing. You know.
1: Maybe we deserve it. Maybe the football gods will shine a, shine a blessing upon us uh, with the four and four. So, in that case, I forget who's going to win the tiebreaker. Let's say that plays out. Um, who do you guys want to play in Charlotte? Like, what matchup are you just dying to have there? I want Virginia. I think that'd be amazing. They would bring zero fans. Um,
0: yeah, one in doubt, go with the least likely or most funny team. And I think that would be Virginia.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Virginia. Is definitely the funniest. Virginia Tech making it would also like be kind of funny, just given that like it's been the off season that everything's falling apart, and then Bud Foster's standing there with a lunch pail, just ready to go. But Virginia is the other funniest, like absolutely.
1: Yeah, tech having makes like it, seventy-five a, Sad who fans. Tech making pretty. it is a is a just indictment of the coastal, based on the off season they've had.
2: I don't. I don't know. The idea of. I'm pretty sure they can make it. They're the coastal, right? The idea. Yeah. The idea of North Carolina making it would be
1: unbelievably funny to me. Yeah. I. I. I actually hope it's not Duke. I don't know. Facing cl- Cutcliffe twice in three weeks doesn't. Doesn't feel great to me. Um. Not that I think that they're going to be able to figure anything out and beat us a second time through, but, again. Let's let's face a team with maybe um, less of a Wiley coach uh, in that environment, but I don't think it'll matter much either way. Clemson's going to be a two-touchdown favorite, I think, yeah, regardless you know, of who we want, get.
2: You want know, David Cutcliffe saving the the browsing cookies for Clemson football? The second time around, he'll raise those prices. It'll it'll just be a
1: mess. He's he's a trap waiting to happen, for sure. Um, so I guess maybe to wrap up our show, uh, we touched on during the season preview, looking at the schedule, all of our feeling about Clemson's national championship likelihood. Has anything changed for you guys? I mean, or do we still feel like this is uh, this is basically the, it's going to be Alabama four and uh, Alabama V Clemson 4.0. Um, I, I think we're on a collision course for that, but curious if you guys feel otherwise. And um, do you think we have what it takes to take it all? Um,
2: I'm feeling a little bit more down in the dumps and sure that Alabama's going to win it. Um, I'm usually about here at this point in the season, but uh, and Nick Saban's deciding to be a curmudgeon and just, we'll just have the best offense then has been absolutely terrifying. I've never seen an offense with this just ruthlessness. They're they're so quick to to go twelve for fourteen passing on you for. 400 yards, and then put in the backup. And then you realize that if you take that passing game away, they still have probably one of the best run games in the entire country. There's just nothing fun about facing out that offense. It's all
0: just a, a machine that's better oiled than your machine. Yeah, it's not fair they have a good offense this year. That makes them, uh, God, it, formidable. But the silver lining is they are not nearly as strong on defense, as we're accustomed to. Uh, imagining this offense with literally any Alabama defense from the past decade would easily be by far the best team ever, ever. But the defense isn't what it what it normally is under Saban. It's an entirely new secondary, which yeah, that's Saban's strength. But they've had a bit of growing pains, and they haven't been surprisingly, as this is to even say, they haven't been as strong against the run as normal either. Um, so yeah, I do think Bama is the clear number one. I think Clemson's also the clear number two and is the only team with a shot against Alabama. Thanks mainly to that defensive line. Um, because if there's one way in theory, because we haven't seen it yet, if there is one way in theory to, uh, slow down Bama's offense is to get pressure up the middle on Tua, and Clemson has the tackles to one control the run game. We saw that in the sugar bowl last year, Clemson, Clemson held Bama's run game in check, uh, for the most part. They didn't even have 300 yards uh, total, so that's that's encouraging. Um, now, that was Jalen Hurts playing quarterback, of course, but uh, I, I don't think any other team could slow down Bama, um, and Clemson has the run game and hopefully the balance with a presumably more matured Lawrence over the next two months to hopefully keep Bama's defense uh, a little bit off balance, but uh, as long as Clemson beats NC State, I think we are up for a Clemson versus Bama, Part Four. Um, assuming they don't meet in the semifinals, I think it will it'll be for another, another national title. But again, don't beat NC State this weekend, and you aren't even you aren't even in the ACC title game. So, step one is winning against the Wolfpack.
2: If this is Clemson Bama Four, who is Alabama gonna murder so uh, we can fight Alabama in Russia? Oklahoma.
3: Oklahoma, they've only lost to Texas in like a Red River rivalry, whatever you want to call that, besides shootout. But like that game, people are willing to write off. Oklahoma's totally going to backdoor it if the Pac-12 isn't getting anyone in.
0: Pac-12 isn't
3: getting in. Exactly. So someone's got to fill in from either Big 12 I, or I, Big Pac.
0: Notre, for- Notre Dame will take that spot. I don't, I don't think they'll lose another game. And they are – it's not that I don't think they're good. I just think they're such a, they will get destroyed by any other team in the playoff. I think Michigan would destroy them if they played again right now.
1: Is that an unpopular I'm just play?
2: excited for uh, Alabama repeatedly uh, just dashing their running back running backs against our defensive line, and then Nick Saban screaming, "It's like iron."
1: Um, I guess as far as like playoff matchups uh, that we would have in a semifinal uh michigan's probably a team i want to face the least in terms of who who else is out there just by virtue of their defense um they have a decent enough running game and shea patterson again i think clemson matches up really well with everyone not named alabama and even against bama um i like our chances with etn but um yeah michigan's probably the one in there that i don't think we would necessarily destroy and play off the field
0: yeah i never even considered them honestly i, I i'm Guilty of writing them off after they lost to Notre Dame in week one, but they've been sneakily good since then. You're right. Michigan's defense would be problematic, and their offense is a big, massive who knows, but at least they have a competent quarterback for once. So, yeah, that could be dicey. I, I think Michigan is definitely a team I would not want to play. I'd much rather play Notre Dame or Ohio State. or <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm really greedy, i I say LSU. Let's say LSU beats Bama, wins the SEC oh my God, then I feel like we'd have a pretty clear path to lifting that trophy again, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. That's, that's just too greedy.
1: Michigan would also be just a bad, like, fan base matchup mix with Clemson at at the bowl environment.
3: Oh, NPR versus PBR wouldn't go well. And there's the t-shirt.
1: A Clemson man needs an introduction. There's a Michigan, Michigan man follow up to that. He does need
2: a $2 tall boy. That's right.
1: Um, all right, well, uh, I will see you guys out here for the Santa Clara National Championship game. Uh, we will definitely have a podcast blowout uh, pre-party situation happening and a tailgate, of course. Um, and then after we hoist the trophy, go skiing in Tahoe. Uh, that'll be that'll be on the table. So um, thank you guys, as always, for coming on. I guess there's one more thing to ask. What's more likely here, ETN wins the Heisman or Alex wins Bachelorette?
0: You know what? I did not submit myself for that. I don't know who did, but you know what? Whatever. I think it I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah, no, it was uh his good friend Balix Braff. Uh, there. I maintain my innocence.
1: <sighs> cool. Uh, thanks again, guys, for joining us. Appreciate you coming on. And um, you know, in the, the doldrums of December, we may need to get you guys back on for a, a bowl season preview. Let's just call it that. Not to get ahead of ourselves uh but yeah thanks again for coming on guys um uh, you want to plug your twitter handles real quick and any articles you have coming up
2: i'll go first uh i am at Juan fabulous uh it's a very creative name where i took my name put it in spanish and added the word fabulous um i tweet really boring content from there everyone's while, you'll get a cat update uh and then i'm also at st southland which is uh the big money maker uh, I make a fixed amount, um, but it is, uh, you know, growing. I I like to think I have a specific voice there, but uh, just keep following me and
1: you'll probably get me or yell that by. Uh, yeah. I have one more kind of question there, John, while we're on it. Any fan bases that have struck you this year as particularly catty or annoying more than normal thus far? Some of the uh, comments, mentions.
2: Not to not to call out the uh, the the choir I love so much, but man, some of the Clemson fans have been quite annoying. Uh, y'all y'all need to relax. It, it's gonna be okay. We may not be perfect.
0: It's gonna be okay. It's not the end of the world if we if we do poorly here or there. Yeah, Clemson fans are notorious notoriously awful online. There's such a huge discrepancy between our reputation as game day hosts, which is phenomenal, versus our reputation online, which I blame TigerNet for because they just sort of incite the masses. They incite yeah. the worst parts of our fan base with their TMZ headline clickbait bullshit. Um so we're awful online. I will admit that. We really are. Yeah no
2: um I will never forget the day that I said Dabo is not the greatest X's and O's coach and got uh, mm. just about dragged out of town on a rail
0: you know but uh my Twitter handle is not Alex craft. I call it hiding in plain sight. Um, but my mom knows my account anyway, so I guess it's irrelevant, but that, that's the closest I'll get to a pseudonym at not Alex craft. Uh,
3: mine's DBBM There uh, there is a trivia
2: question. What does DBBM stand
3: for? Dude, bra bro, man, which was oh, what no, my, they were supposed co- to answer. I knew no. that. Yeah. I knew- yeah. There was an answer to that actually. But no, it's just a random collection of uh, consonants I chose. Big fan of things that are totally impossible to pronounce.
1: Excellent. Well, uh, check these guys out online. Um, Such a great crew. Thank you guys for coming on. Um, Awesome show. And um, appreciate that. Uh, Everyone check out Chicken the Southland. Amazing content this year. I think uh, the site's really stepped up its roster of writing talent. Uh, Good balance of comedy. Good balance of in-depth film review and opponent previews. A little bit of hate sprinkled in there. Um, so yeah, great stuff over at Shaking the Southland. Appreciate that. And um, for our listeners, be sure you're subscribed up to the Clemson Podcast. Uh, we are on Twitter at, at Clemson Podcast. We're also on Facebook. Our host, Ben, posts over there very often. So appreciate you engaging with us there. Be sure you're subscribed. We've got a lot of good content coming at you the rest of the season here. am uh, going to think about a few more interview guests to bring on. Uh, we really like all the feedback you guys have been giving us, too. So uh, keep that coming. And with that, let's wrap it there. As always, go Tigers.